This episode of Cohort W is being recorded and produced at Singing Pine Studios on the west bank of Lake Thaloco in Fort Rucker, Alabama. Additionally, I want to wish success to all participants in the 49th United States Army Warrant Officer Association annual meeting of the members held this week in Huntsville, Alabama. Welcome to another Cohort W podcast episode, bringing you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most exciting and enterprising young warrant officer leaders. Each episode is dedicated to exploring real-life leadership in the warrant officer cohort and tackling the problems faced in large-scale combat operations and multi-domain operations. And now, here's your host. Hello! In today's episode, my incredibly excellent guest shares some personal and professional experiences as an air defense artillery warrant officer. Then we will examine how those experiences contribute to meeting doctrinal requirements for air defense artillery. All Cohort W guests were recommended by senior warrant officers in their branch. Today, I am joined by Air Defense Artillery Warrant Officer, Chief Warrant Officer 3, Christopher Cronin. Thanks so much for your time today, Christopher. Can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself, please? My name is CW3 Christopher Cronin. I'm from Zimmerman, Minnesota, a small town just north of the Twin Cities. I've been in uniform for about 21 years and have been a warrant officer for the last 10 years. I've had lots of experience overseas, spending time with the 101st Airborne Division in Iraq and Afghanistan several times, as well as a few trips to the Middle East with Patriot units. Can you share with the audience your MOS, your MOS title, and your duty position, please? I'm a uh, 140 Alpha Command and Control Systems Integrator by trade, which focuses on integrating air defense, early warning, and C2 systems. Currently, however, I am a course manager and instructor within the 140 Alpha Warrant Officer Education System, where I instruct the Adam B course, the Air Defense Airspace Management Brigade Aviation Element course, which instructs brigade tactical air ground operations and airspace management planning and execution. So my current day really depends on whether or not I have a class in session. When I have a class in session, it's a fast and furious 17 training days. I usually try to get to the schoolhouse around two to three hours prior to class beginning so I can get all my stuff together for that day, answer some correspondence, and get whatever work needs to get done prior to the uh, students arriving. Once the students are there around 0800, it's focused 100% on them until they leave around 1700. Then I stick around for another hour or two to answer any correspondence I need, grade tests, and do whatever tasks need to be accomplished with the course. When the class is not in session, it's a little more relaxed, but that's my time to catch up on uh, whatever inevitably kind of falls by the wayside whenever class is in session. So one big thing that I like to do is check the Army Publishing Directorate to see what new manuals have come out. Anything related to aviation, maneuver, air defense artillery, or field artillery needs to be read and understood so we can adjust our training material to meet what is currently being taught. Being in charge of a functional course that teaches and trains everyone from private E2 to major means that I have to stay 100% on top of what the current threat and operational environment looks like. Another thing I like to do when class is not in session is correspond with the combat training centers like NTC or JRTC and see what trends or observations they can share so I can better prepare my students. As an educator, I understand and appreciate that need for constant study and review in order to prepare for your students. Uh, And we learn best often from our students and their experiences. Can you share with me some of your experiences as a 140 Alpha? Uh, Absolutely. Recently, I I spent time as a 140 Alpha in a Patriot Battalion. 
with an operational assignment to Kuwait, while you're doing that, it's it's 100% keeping the systems operational, keeping the communications and tactical data links operational, providing that early warning and situation awareness to all the uh, firing batteries, as well as the battalion headquarters and other units out there that kind of depend on our C2 and early warning that we can provide. So it's uh, you know, a lot of really, really long nights, early mornings, missed meals, phone calls in the middle of the night. It, uh, it can be pretty hectic, to be honest, but it's a very, very rewarding time spend as a 140 Alpha in an operational unit. That description of some of those things that you do feeds perfectly into the next question. Can you talk to the audience about how the work of a 140 Alpha supports or which doctrinal warfighting functions it supports, please? So the course I instruct right now, the Adam B course, teaches tactical airground operations, and that's basically training students on how to accommodate airspace users from all warfighting functions. So every warfighting function needs access to airspace to do their job. Maneuver has attack aviation, fires has surface-to-surface munitions and surface-to-air air defense engagements. Sustainment has aircraft conducting resupply or medevac. Intelligence has unmanned systems. So when units don't know or, or understand how to utilize the Army air ground system or how to plan or manage airspace, they're basically denying their commanders the ability to utilize a lot of the organic equipment that comes from all warfighting functions. So commanders not being able to synchronize or integrate these disparate capabilities, uh, air defense artillery, field artillery, UAS, attack aviation, into their formation, it's basically denying a huge advantage and could potentially cede the fight to the uh, enemy. So going along with all that is the requirement to integrate those C2 systems from across multiple branches and warfighting functions. That's where the 140 Alpha comes in. We possess many tactical data systems at the brigade level that need to be utilized correctly to provide the commander and the rest of the brigade staff as much situational awareness as we can possibly give them. Brilliant. Very informative. Thank you. Can you talk to me about how that fits into multi-domain operations, please? When it comes to C2 systems and uh, airspace management, they they support multi-domain operations in many ways, similar to how airspace management supports uh, large-scale combat ops. Airspace is basically the medium for joint fires to be executed from across all domains and to all domains. And supporting the C2 systems that provides that situational awareness and early warning is absolutely critical for that. Because there are a lot of capabilities out there that can and must be leveraged to be successful in a peer or near-peer fight. So having basic knowledge of how to plan and manage airspace and manage those C2 systems that provide situational awareness of the airspace at the brigade echelon is critical to how these units will function in multi-domain operations. Typically, I ask about large-scale combat operations before then, but that uh, earlier discussion that you had given us on airspace really seemed to fit into multi-domain operations better, so I apologize for that sequence change. No worries. Can we go back and take a look at LISCO and how your work fits into large-scale combat operations, please? Teaching airspace management is absolutely critical for large-scale combat ops. Units must be trained at the brigade level to conduct airspace management in order to both plan for future airspace operations and execute the current airspace plan. Higher echelon units like the division are reliant on the brigade to properly plan and manage their airspace. The division, when aligned with an Air Force Air Support Operations Center, executes the Joint Air Ground Integration Center TTP, the JAGIC TTP, which allows them to utilize joint fires to shape the division fight and to manage airspace conflicts. So if the brigades don't plan their airspace correctly and it leads to a lot of airspace conflicts, that's actively detracting from the division's capability to utilize joint fires to shape the division fight because now they're fixing all of the brigade's problems that they couldn't plan accordingly. So that detracts immensely from from large-scale combat ops. Training units on proper airspace management and the C2 systems that support visualizing and understanding what is going on in the airspace 100% supports large-scale combat operations. 
From an air defense perspective, minus the uh, uh, airspace concerns, the threats development of hypersonic long-range ballistic missiles is something that is very concerning for air defense. Identifying the threat, developing the requirements and capabilities to combat that threat will be a cornerstone of successful large-scale combat operations in the future from an air defense perspective. Sure, and that is a very big challenge to imagine both the speed and the potential impact of those hypersonic weapons. So thank you very much for sharing that much success to you and uh, army developers in the future on that big work and i'm sure you're going to be a big factor in that i'd like to shift gears a little bit here chris and uh, first say thanks for your time today can you take a, a couple seconds and talk to the audience about what you have learned or what you would like to share with the audience about your work's importance as part of the army's mission when I, when I first transitioned to becoming a C2 systems engineer, I, I didn't realize that I had really signed up for a lifetime of learning. Like all things, the operational environment is constantly changing in terms of our capabilities and our threats capabilities. So being that air defense technical expert on the staff means that essentially I, I signed up to stay on top of the cutting edge when it comes to tactical systems, doctrine, and operational knowledge. But being that technical expert means not just knowing how the system in question operates or how to fix it or how to get it back operational, but also knowing and understanding how that technical expertise will be applied tactically to provide benefit to the commander, figuring out what the so what is. Additionally, I think that will be a good bit of wisdom to share or or to remind ourselves here when I think about this next question. What would you uh, say to a warrant officer who just graduated candidate school about uh, your branch? Or what would you say to just a brand new warrant officer in general? To that air defense warrant officer that, that's coming over, whether they're a 140 Alpha, 140 Kilo, or, or 140 Lima, I, I would tell them get ready. There are many new and exciting changes coming down. Air defense weapon systems are modernizing and getting better at integrating. There's new C2 systems and new communication methods being fielded and integrated. New weapon capabilities are, are being fielded, like maneuver Shorad. And, and Army air defense is in high demand everywhere, from the maneuver divisions to the joint multinational force. Everywhere I go, when I, I'm talking to maneuver commanders, joint multinational commanders, they can't stress how much air defense is needed out in the force. The enemy UAS threat, the long-range precision munition threat. When you look at what our enemy in LISCO will possess in, in terms of capability, like attack aviation, unmanned platforms, rockets, and artillery, being able to provide a unique protection function and capability to the Army and the rest of the joint force will mean that air defense has a huge role to play going forward. And the 140 Alpha Command and Control Systems Integrator in particular has a huge role in integrating those efforts. To warrant officers that are not air defense, a lot of those same kind of messages kind of apply because uh, the Army is modernizing in huge ways. And the warrant officers in general providing that tactical and, and technical expertise in integrating all those capabilities, we're going to be in huge demand definitely for the foreseeable future. Agreed. Thank you very much for that time and that clear, distinct guidance of get ready that is applicable across the board for young and seasoned warrant officers. Uh, Change is coming, and you have been a great articulator of some of those changes that are on the future horizon for us. So it's great to hear warrant officers talk doctrine. Thank you so much for your time today, Christopher, and sharing the work of warrant officers in your branch and how that contributes to meeting doctrinal requirements for air defense artillery. Absolutely. Thank you, sir, for your time. Have a great day. On behalf of the Warren Officer Historical Foundation, thank you to today's guest for your insights on the future of warfare and the importance of the Warren Officer to that fight. Please visit warrantofficerhistory.org to learn more about how you can help support the Foundation and programs like this.
Special thanks to our theme music composer, Josh DiStefano. Visit joshdiStefano.com to hear more of his outstanding works.